0: Well, good morning again, church. Love that you are with us to worship together. Again, we want to welcome those worshiping with us online. Today, we get to continue in the series uh, that we've been in the last several weeks called The Jesus Way as we have been walking through uh, the book of Mark. And we've been talking about uh, the chapters 8 through 16 as we talk about who Jesus is. We look at his life and we say, man, based on that How should we live? And I've said there's a big so what for this series, and the big so what for the series is this, spiritual maturity looks like Jesus, right? Spiritual maturity looks like Jesus. Why do I keep saying this? Because our tendency is to look at everybody else, to, to compare ourselves with everyone else and say, well, I'm doing okay compared to those people. But our model and the person we're supposed to get our eyes on is Christ to say, what did he do? How did he live? How did he speak? What did he think like? That's how we should live. There's one thing that Jesus did that every one of us is called to, and that Jesus was water baptized. And, and the command that we have is that we would believe and be baptized. And I would guess that in a room like this, there's a lot of you out there, you've been serving Jesus for a few weeks, a few months. Some of you may have been serving Jesus for decades, and you've never taken the step to be water baptized. All right? I want to say, now is your time. Okay, believe and be baptized. And what does that look like? On, on a February 20th, we're actually gonna have a baptism service here during our morning services. And so if you haven't taken the step to be water baptized, I wanna challenge you that now is your time. In order to do that, you've gotta join us next Sunday for our water baptism class happening at 9.30. It's happening over in the youth lounge. You can get registered for that. If you forget to get registered, just show up at 9.30 next week and walk in the class. But I would encourage you, this could be the time for you, Okay. Uh, well, this morning, I'm going to dig into what I would consider the clearest passage about what does it look like to follow Jesus. Clearest passage. Um, the problem is that a lot of times we miss the point of the passage. And so that's what we're going to dig into this morning. If you've got Mark, uh, your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse number 34. As uh, Steph said earlier, we're in our Bible reading plan going through the New Testament this year. So uh, if you haven't jumped in already, you can do that by going to our website and clicking on the homepage, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read just a couple of verses here this morning. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34, says this. Then he, being Jesus, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Father, we thank you for your word, God, I thank you the words that Christ spoke. God, I pray that your desire and what you really intended would come alive in our hearts today, Father, and that our response would be to have the right perspective and the eyes on the right things. We pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, honesty, if you've ever been to church, you ever had that moment where you show up to church and you listen to a guy talk for 30 or 40 minutes and you walk out the door and you're like, I have no idea what he just said. Has that ever happened to you before? Okay. Hopefully it doesn't happen around here. I do my best to, to prepare. You know, I try to have a big so what, so even if you walk out the door, like you, at least you know something I talked about today. Like, that's my hope, but, but I know that happened. Like, for me growing up, there was a lot of times where I'm like, what are you even saying up there right now? Like, I'm utterly confused. What, but it's not just pastors and preachers that have that problem. I think there's just people. You probably have people in your life that you sit and you have conversations. You're like, what are you even saying right now? Like, I, you know, there people that just tell ongoing stories, and you're like, one story becomes another story, and I'm like, what's the point? I have one person in particular that I, that I come face-to-face with probably once a month or so. And every time I'm like, oh no, that's what goes on in my head as soon as I walk out because I know what's going to happen. They're going to start telling me one story and they're going to start meandering. And usually while they're talking, I'm having another conversation in my head be like, what are you saying right now? Like, I'm totally confused. Are you going to land the plane? Is this thing going to be over with? Because I might be here for 45 minutes. I don't know. And at the end of it, neither of us are going to know what you just talked about. Like there's that time in like, And because for me, I just, I want to know what I'm saying. I like clarity. I like absolute clarity. Like, where are we heading here? Like, let me know that and what I love about this passage is that was, that's what Jesus gives us. You want to know what it's like to follow me. Like, I think all of us would say, yeah, I should know what it's like to follow Jesus. What do you act? Not just what other people say, not what pastors say. What does Jesus actually say when we say, hey, we want to follow him? And that's what we find in this passage. So I want to put up verse number 34 for you. And I want to walk through this for a second. This is a passage I come to on a regular basis, usually out of the book of Luke. But here's what it says. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Stop right there. Whoever wants to be my disciple, if you notice in the passage just before that, Jesus said he called the crowd and his disciples together. And Jesus had these moments on a regular basis where he would draw a line in the sand. He would say, listen, you're all like to be around me. Because Jesus was the rock star, wasn't he? Like he was the guy everybody was following. He told the great stories. He was the entertainment of the day. So people wanted to be around him. And he would say, this is great. I love that you're near me. But being near me does not make you my disciple. Okay. You're going to have to do some other things if you actually want to be one of my followers and not just hanging out in the crowd. And he says this, all right, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves. Now, we all know that this is a challenge. Why? Because you wake up in the morning and you want it to be about you. Just like when I wake up in the morning, I want it to be about me. I wake up, I'm like, what do I want today? What would be good for me? That's usually where my mind goes. And Jesus is saying, that's totally fine. If that's how you want to live, go be in the crowd, go be someone else. But if you want to be my follower, right? If you want to live different than everybody else, you want to be my disciple, then you're going to live a different way. You're going to have to respond differently when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, it's not about you. No, you're going to deny yourself. But he goes on in the passage, and we know this, deny themselves and take up their cross. And the listeners knew what this meant, didn't they? They absolutely, this wasn't just some cute little idea to them. They literally had seen people pick up the cross and they know what that means. What does it mean? Death. That's what it means. Death. You need to die. It's not about you. Like, it's not about your kingdom and what you've got going on. If you're going to be my follower, you have to deny yourself. You have to die to yourself, your dreams, your visions, your ideas. What you hope for, you have to die to that. And the book of Luke adds one more word in there that isn't in the version in Mark. Anybody know what? Take up their cross daily. I heard somebody say it. Daily. Daily. I've heard it said that the the most challenging thing about the Christian walk is it's just so daily, (laughs) right? It's like, I, I, you ever have that day where you're just like, man, I killed it. I'm a, I mean, I was following Jesus. I was serving people. I was doing all the things. I was saying good stuff, all these things, right? And then you go to bed and then you wake up and you're like, shoot, I got to start again. Like what I did yesterday doesn't really matter because I got to no, die to myself again. It's a new day. And this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, living in my kingdom, it's different. It's not the way everybody else does. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a very simple concept. You just got to die, and now you choose to live for me. You live submitted to me. You give everything. It's not about your kingdom. It's about mine. See, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what a follower, that's what a disciple looks like. You see, a committed follower of Jesus isn't just someone who hangs out in the right places. You know, showing up to church doesn't necessarily make you a Christian, In the same way that showing up to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger, okay? Like, just being in proximity, being in proximity to something does not actually translate. That's why Jesus said, Listen, crowd, they were all near him. But he's saying, Listen, proximity to me does not, in and of itself, make you a follower of mine. No, a true follower of Jesus is one who understands the way of the cross. And this is the title of my message here this morning The Way of the Cross. Doesn't that sound sweet, right? Oh, that's quaint. That's nice. The Way of the Cross. Oh, you know, it sounds like a book title, right? Well, Let's read The Way of the Cross, everyone, you know. Turn in your books to The Way of the Cross. <laughs> <laughs> to us, that can feel like a quaint Christian statement. To the people who heard it, it was disgusting. Because remember, cross meant death, but more than death, it meant like morbidity, it was something grotesque. It was repulsive. It was something you ran away from. It was, it was embarrassment. It was at its deepest sense. It was horrid, right? They saw that and they would run from it. Like you were despised and gross. No one wanted to be around you. There was to be something that, that you would want to avoid. It was something that they would want to avoid. And this explains the awkward moment that takes place just before this passage, Okay. I want to get into the, the context, what Jesus was saying and what he was wrestling with his disciples before he came to them and he shared this teaching. Uh, Any of you have a friend in your life who opens their mouth before thinking? Anybody I mean somebody in your life like, like, are you that person, right? Stick your foot in your mouth all the time, whatever. I saw a meme uh, this past week and what it said on the meme, you pull that out, it says, I don't like to think before I speak. I like to be just as surprised as everyone else about what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Alright? Amen. <laughs> I'm getting a witness in the back this morning. Like, we know people like that. There's people in our lives like that. You know what? The Apostle Paul was kind of like that. <laughs> the Apostle he was kind of like that. Like, there were times where he just, he just say things. Like, he's the first one to say something. It didn't always register up there before he got there, you know? If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. There was a, There's a moment where Jesus takes his, all his disciples together. He brings them all together. and He's like, all right, guys, come, 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 come. What's everybody saying about me? You remember this from last week. What's everybody saying about me? And they're all giving, like, well, some people say this, some people say this, yada, 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 whatever. And then he asked the question, which I think is critical. We said last week, who do you say I am? And the other disciples were quiet, but G- or Peter, you know, Peter's the guy, he speaks, right? He stands up, he's like, I got this one, I got this one, right? You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And if you read it in the book of Matthew, Jesus' response is like, that's awesome, and I will call you Peter. And Peter means rock, just so you know. He said, I will call you Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm sure Peter in that moment is like, I nailed it, right? I nailed this thing. I'm killing it right now. He felt like the Buffalo Bills with 13 seconds to go in the game last week. That's how he felt. Nailed this thing, guys. Right? He's all puffed up. I got this. right? And then, and then we get to the next passage that we see in, beginning in Mark 13. And it says that, once again, Jesus brings his disciples around him. So he brings all this out. Come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Right? I'm going to have to tell you, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill me. Just heads up. And he starts teaching about the fact that he's going to have to die. And Peter, remember, Peter's like, well, this is a downer. You know? I don't like this. And so Peter's thinking, I'm sure he's thinking, like, Jesus really respects me right, because I just killed it and I made that really cool statement. So he grabs Jesus and pulls him over to the side. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, shh. Don't talk about the death and the dying part. Like, that's a downer. Nobody likes to hear about that, right? And I'm sure he's feeling good. Like, I'm doing Jesus a service here. I'm really helping him understand how he should live and do, fulfill his ministry here on earth. Right? He thinks he's doing this. And what does Jesus say to him? You can look at it if you got it. He says, get behind me, Satan, Like, that's the last thing you want Jesus saying to you, okay? Right? I'm sure Peter's like, but but the rock stuff, and like, I'm gates of hell, and all that stuff. No, no, get behind me, Satan. And what does he say? If you got this here in verse 30, 30, he says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, this is the context that leads us to the passage that we just read about denying ourselves. And here's something, I I wrote this down. Some of you may need to write this down. It's this, Peter knew who Jesus was, but he still didn't understand how Jesus worked. He knew who Jesus was, right? You are the Christ, son of the living God, but he didn't understand how Jesus worked. He still didn't understand what it was Jesus was ultimately trying to do and who he was calling Peter to be. And here's the issue. We have the same problem, okay? We have the same problem. We know who, you sit here, we sing the songs. Jesus, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. But what about when he calls us to die? What what about when he says, you know what? I'm calling to work in you. I'm gonna do things in you in a way that may not make sense to your mind. It doesn't actually go along with the way that the world does things. See, we struggle with this ourselves, because over and over again, Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. He's like, listen, I'm inviting you into the kingdom of God, but the way we do things in my kingdom are in complete contradiction to the way that the world does. The kingdom of this earth operates differently. And so if you want to be in my kingdom, you can't operate like the world does. You have to think differently, and especially when it comes to the good stuff, because we get up and we love to preach about the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us, right? This good news of the gospel, what's available, everything that we sang it this morning, healing, and Freedom and victory and life and all this stuff that's available. But where is it found? It's not found in doing things like everyone else. It is found only in submission to him. The only way to experience the life of the gospel is through death. That's it. You see, Peter still didn't understand the paradox of the cross. The cross that you and I are called to pick up. See, when Peter looked at the cross, what did he see? He was looking at it with a temporary and an earthly lens. When he saw the cross, when he thought of the cross, which would make sense, he's not seeing Jesus overcome victory yet. In his mind, when he sees a cross, he sees pain, he sees agony, he sees death, he sees destruction, he sees finality. Like, that's not what we would want. Like, that's not good. There's nothing good about dying on a cross, right? But when Jesus looked at the cross, what did he see? He wasn't looking through an earthly or a temporary lens. He was looking through an eternal and a an heavenly lens. He was looking at the cross with a redemptive view to understand of what the cross produced for us. What would the cross ultimately make available to us? That's what he was thinking about. And I think the best passage that talks about this is found in Hebrews chapter 12. Because in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, there's this description of all these, uh, you know, these amazing men and women of faith and the way that they pursued and they were faithful to God and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, they came to a point where they, their lives end and they never experienced the good things that were in store ahead. But Jesus had a different vision. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, for the joy being Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross He understood the cross. It wasn't like he's like, yes, I want to go jump on a cross. No, he said, I understand what the cross is providing. And he says he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. The joy set before him. When he saw the cross, he saw the good things. When he saw the cross, he saw your salvation. When he saw the cross, he recognized that eternity was in the balance and that him laying down his life would produce something that none of us could produce for ourselves. He saw that. He understood that, right? That's what it's about. It's the paradox of the cross. The paradox, it doesn't make sense. And so I wanna come back to the passage that we read, right? Now that we've got the context, we understand what Jesus is doing. What's the context here? So we get to the passage and the passage ultimately isn't just about dying to yourself. Talks about dying to yourself. That's absolutely it. Okay, but here's the problem: if all we do is fixate on, okay, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Oh man, this is really, this isn't any fun, Jesus. Uh, it's kind of depressing, to be honest. Like it's super depressing. You can kind of be like Eeyore, like oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take up my cross again, right? <laughs> like, like it, it's really like depressing feeling. Like I don't know that I wanna, I wanna live with that. See that Jesus is saying that's not the mindset. That's not where your eyes need to be, right? See, dying isn't the end, it's a means to a greater end. In fact, dying is the only means to experience the zoe life Christ has for us. And ultimately, this passage is about that trade. Ultimately, this passage is about a great exchange that is available for every single one of us, where we have the opportunity to take hold of something we could never take hold of for ourselves. but the means of receiving it is death. Look what it says in verse number 35. It says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Um, you know, we live in a world that really is is just concerned about safety, okay? Right? I remember, you know, I told you, I'm almost turning 40 here. When I was a kid, I never once wore a helmet on a bicycle. (laughs) Anybody with me? Anybody never? Like, never once wore a. And here I am with my kids, and I wouldn't let my kids out, you know, anywhere on a bike without a helmet on, right? Because we just, we've migrated to this, like, safety culture. Like, we just got to keep everybody safe, right? Got to keep everybody safe, okay? And I'm going to say this, and if some of you get mad at me, whatever. But in the last two years during our COVID season, it is critical that you need to do what is right to protect yourself, wholeheartedly agree. But my concern is that the mindset of our world has furthered this idea that the highest aspiration of life is safety. And I will just say this, as a follower of Christ, if you want that to be, that's great. But as a follower of Christ, safety is not the pinnacle. It is submission to your king. That's the pinnacle. And why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because when Jesus was looking at a cross, obedience to the cross was not safe, okay? And if his greatest concern was protecting himself, then he was not going to fulfill what Christ had asked him. We have missionaries right now that we support on a monthly basis. Guess what? They are not safe. They are not in safe place. They are in nations where their life is on the line on a daily basis because they've said, you know what? My number one goal, oh, they're not going to do stupid things. They're going to protect themselves. But at the end of the day, safety is not the God. God is God. And I'm going to submit my life to him. And we have to just be careful. We have to be cautious. Do I t- protect yourself? Do what you need to do. But at the end of the day, what is your major goal? Is it safety or is it surrender to Christ? And I pray that we would be those who say, Christ, everything, everything I have. Even if you're calling me to be courageous and to step into something that maybe is outside of my comfort zone, may I be submitted to you. All right? Okay? But see, this is what he's saying. He's like, you want to save your life? Do you want to save your life? You're gonna lose it. You just will. But, but if you lose your life, if you give your life, if you lay your life down, that's when you save it. It's this crazy thought. It doesn't fully make sense to us. But he, what he's saying is, listen, you're going to have to make a trade somewhere. Don't make the dumb trade, okay? Don't make the wrong one. And so then he finally gets to the, the end of this, and he, he gets to a rhetorical question. And I think this is the core of what he's saying here in verse number 36. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Right. And I think the question is very obvious. <laughs> what good is it? What's the point of doing that? See, the world says live now and worry about dying later. Jesus says die now and live for eternity. Right. See, there's, there's deals out there. Everybody's trying to get your soul right? They're trying to get your soul. You're saying, you know what? I'll trade my soul so I can just have some fun right now. And Jesus is saying, that is a bad deal, right? So I want to get to the, the big so what. We always say so what, right? Because I don't want you to not know what I'm talking about today. Big so what today? Make the right deal. Make the right deal. How many of you ever seen the, the game show, Let's Make a Deal? You ever seen the show, Let's Make a Deal? All right. The show's been on forever. I remember when it was the old guy that was doing it. Now, now we got, you know, different people doing stuff. That's great. It's a great show, okay? But you know what happens in the game. What happens? Inevitably, you know, you get something, right? You got something, whatever it is. You want a toaster. That's awesome. You got a toaster. And then he says, all right, you want to keep the toaster? Or you can have what's behind door number three, you know? And in the moment, you don't know what the right answer is because you're like, I don't know what's behind door. It could be a car, or it could be something stupid, like, I don't know. Do I make this deal? Is this the right decision? I'm not sure what the right call is here. And it might seem weird to talk about faith and eternity in, in terms of a deal, but this is exactly what Jesus says. He's like, I'm going to tell you what your options are, except he doesn't hide it. There's no you know, hiding behind door number three over here. He's saying, here's the options. These are the two deals you got. One deal says, do whatever you want to right now. It's fine. It's fine. It's your choice. Every bit you want to. You're just going to forfeit your soul. It's the reality. You see, when you you don't follow me, here's what's going to happen. It's going to end in death and destruction for you. That's what's going to happen, right? In fact, Scripture talks about this eternal separation. It talks about hell. It talks about, like, that's the result. That's where this thing ends. Like, that's the end game here. And he's saying, that's fine. You can make that deal if you want to. You're saying, that's the wrong deal. The right deal is to say, listen, I'm gonna die to myself now. I'm gonna lay myself down now. Oh, is it always easy? No. Is it always comfortable? No. Is it always the thing that you wanna choose in the moment? No, it's not. Absolutely not. There's gonna be times where you're gonna wish that you didn't do this, okay? There's gonna be times where you're like, oh, this is hard right now. I don't know if I wanna follow you right now. You're gonna have moments where you question it. Teenager, you're gonna have those moments. And I don't know if I wanna follow you. You're gonna have those moments. But know this, if you make that, You're gonna receive what you could never purchase for yourself. Like you're making an eternal decision here, right? That's the option. Both options are before you. What are you going to choose? And why am I sharing this today? Number one, this was the passage for today. But number two, there's some of you that walk in the door today. And I would bet there's some of you who are getting a little weary. You're tired. Why? Maybe things just aren't going well. I would bet there's some of you you're following Jesus and you thought that when you started following Jesus all the troubles would start going away like everything would just get easier right I talk to people like that man I just man I've been following Jesus for like six months I thought things would get better it's actually getting worse I'm like yeah because the deal isn't that you just get to follow Jesus and he makes everything go away he's not your genie like that We, we have to take the long game here the lens to say understand what does it mean it means you're laying your life down right now and sometimes that's frustrating And I'm not trying to be cold and harsh to you in any way whatsoever, but I'm here to encourage you. Get your eyes on the right thing. Put your eyes in the right place. Would you recognize that, listen, this death that I'm experiencing, these challenges that I'm experiencing, they ultimately will result in a harvest out here. There is an eternity that I am laying my life into, that I'm giving my life to right now, right? And there's a hope if I can look in the right place. Remember, Peter, what is he seeing? He's seeing death. He's seeing the cross. And Jesus sees the cross. And what does he see? Life, because he's looking in a different way. May we be those kind of people. So for some of you, you're discouraged, you're tired, and I'm so sorry. Hear this. If you're following Christ, you've made the right investment. You're walking in the right direction. I want to talk to teenagers for a second. Because teenagers, you guys... I mean, that's a rough season, man. I think back 25 years ago when I was a teenager, and I'm like, whew, man, today it's even harder. And I would say this. Some of you, are, you're trying to follow Jesus. Like, you're saying, "I, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I know it. And you're trying to stand. But my guess is there's times where you're just like, is this worth it? Like, is this worth it? I mean, Jesus, I'm trying to be faithful to you and I'm, I'm losing out, like I'm missing out. Like my reputation is not that good because people are like looking down. I, I don't get to go to certain things because I'm trying to love Jesus. I'm trying, and I'm like, I probably shouldn't go to that party. I shouldn't go to that thing. And you're feeling like, am I making the right deal? Listen, you are making the right deal. It may not feel like it in the moment. You may feel overwhelmed and tired and burnt out, but you need to understand, you are not thinking about temporary and earthly. You are thinking eternal and heavenly. And every time you say no to the world and you say yes to Christ, you are making the right decision, okay? And I just wanna encourage you, I know. Listen, there is a body. Look around this body. Listen, we've all gone through stuff. Every one of us has gone through stuff. There's been times where we've said yes to Jesus and it's been hard. But listen, you do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up, okay? Do not grow weary in well-doing because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Stand firm, all right? You're making the right investments, okay? There's a passage I wanna end with here this morning. It's found in John chapter 12. Jesus is having this conversation. It's another take on this conversation, another experience where he's speaking to his disciples. And He says this. He says, the hour has come, again, talking to his disciples, has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And again, the disciples, I'm sure, are thinking, sweet, right? Jesus is gonna be glorified, and we're close to Jesus, which means we're gonna totally be on the inside. This is gonna be great. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of the gospel. Say so what? He said, I know you're going to look at me and you're going to think about death. You look at the cross and you're going to see death. But here's the reality that one seed that gets planted, there are thousands. And thousands of seeds in the tree that it ultimately produces, and he's saying, "Here is the call. You, I know you're looking at your your momentary season here. As you, I, I have to die to this thing. I got to lay that. You need to understand that it is going to produce for you something that you can't even imagine, that you can't even fathom, right?" That's the investment that we get to make. And he's talking about himself, but every single one of us has the same opportunity. He goes on to the very next verse, verse number 25. He says, Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You might say, This is not good church growth preaching, Greg. You're right, it's not. I'm not up here to try and just like, let's grow the numbers here and let's, let's tickle your ears and make you feel good. No, I'm here to say, this is what Jesus says. You want life? You want the real thing. You want true life. Okay, well then it demands that you die. It's the way of the cross. It is the paradox of the cross that makes no sense to our earthly mind, but it is the only way that we can experience what he has for us. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me across the room. I say this around here a lot of times because there's, um, I'm not interested in, uh, some churches just wanna count hands. Um, That's great, sometimes I do that. I'd rather have a conversation with somebody and, and begin something real. So when this service is over with, if you wanna surrender your life to Christ, and begin a journey of faith, right? If that's what you want, I'm gonna stand right here. And I will stand here until I have a chance to talk to every person that wants to respond to Christ, okay? You may be here and you say, you know what? I've, I've just been doing the church thing. I've been in the crowd. Say, so, you no, know, let's draw a line in the sand today. Today's the day I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm gonna give my life to him completely. Would that, this be that day for you? I'm gonna give you, it's the greatest decision you will ever make this side of eternity to submit your life to him. My prayer is that you would receive it. Walk into the eternal life that he has for you. Okay? But for everybody else here, there's a song that we we sing around here, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But there's a verse of that that says this, the cross before me, the world behind me. And I think when we think about that, it's like, all oh, the cross before me, oh, the cross before me, the, no, no, the cross, the redemptive work of the cross before me, the redemptive work of the cross that says free, 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 life, victory, hope, joy, right? That's, the, that's what stands before us, okay? And this morning, every one of us, I know if if I'm standing up here and my whole life's laid bare, there are areas of my life where I'm still focused on the wrong thing. I'm focused on the earthly and the temporary. And I think for every one of us this morning, can we just make a commitment again to say, God, help us to live for you. God, would you speak to our hearts? And so as an act of surrender, would you just lift hands? And I just want us to sing this simple chorus. Steph, would you lead us out as we sing this together?
1: I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Seen the cross. The cross before me, the The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Sing it one more time, the cross. The cross before me, the world behind before me oh, the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me no turning back no turning back
0: father we don't stand here people who have it all together we've got it all figured out we stand as those who apart from the goodness of God, we are stand condemned. But because of the grace of our Lord in Jesus Christ, because of the hope that we have in Christ, there is victory for us. There is salvation for us. And we say thank you. God, I pray that you would help us not to operate as the world does. God, if we are going to call ourselves disciples, then may we actually live as disciples. Not looking to this world to try and dominate as this world does. Not looking to this world trying to take control and take ownership and man make our way. But instead, may we have those postures of submission to you saying, this is not about me. It's not about my name. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. God, may everything I have, every word I speak, every thought I have, everything at my disposal, every talent I have, the time that I have the treasure you've put in my hand. God, may I use it all for your kingdom to honor and worship you in submission to you, God. God, may I die to myself to receive eternal life that only comes through Christ. Help us this week, Lord, I pray. Help us to live this thing out. God, to not just be hearers of your word, but to do something with it differently. So God, may we live differently, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite our prayer team forward at this time. I want to, as you walk out the door, I'm gonna, I want to give you a challenge here real quick. And this is just a very simple challenge. Take, take up your cross today. Take up your cross today. I don't know what it is in your life, but there is an area of your life possibly where you have still been trying to, to kind of have one foot in the faithfulness to God and one foot in the world. And you may need to surrender something. You may need to have your own altar moment today. I would encourage you to do that with Jesus, all right? Otherwise, if you have a prayer need, our prayer team is going to be up here. They would love to pray with you. As I mentioned earlier, if you've got these kingdom builders and you, you haven't already made a faith commitment, I would encourage you and challenge you to do that. Talk to your spouse, pray about it. And you can drop these in the buckets on the way out the door. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll hopefully see you Wednesday night for a worship night. Love you guys.